Well, um, no more truth may be spoken than John saying that he's a bit of a nerd this morning, so I will try to follow that up as well as I can. <laughs> Love you, bud. Uh, hey, a few years ago, there was a, uh, a man in, here in Indiana who decided that it would be a really good idea to go and rob a convenience store. And that was his first bad idea, uh, but it would not be his last. Uh, he, he chose the location of his heist. He scouted it out for a few weeks just to see what the rhythms and routines of the place were to see if there was any weakness that he could you know, take advantage of in this. He created his plan of attack. He had everything ready to go. And then the big day came. And so he broke into the convenience store. He yells out, this is a robbery. He hands a bag over to the cashier and says, I want you to put all the money in the register and the safe in this bag. And while she was busy doing that, he went over and he tied up all of the other employees. Well, the last employee to tie up was the, the girl who had been putting everything on the bag. And so she put it on the countertop, went over there, he tied her up, and then immediately rushed out the door, forgetting the bag of money on the countertop. And the thing is, when he had busted in and said, this is a robbery, someone had hit a button to make sure that the doors locked so that nobody else could come in. And so now this robber is looking through the glass at the bag of money over here, and the tied-up employee is laughing at him over here. He was later caught and tried for attempted robbery because he didn't actually get away with anything at all. <laughs> the, the point is that this wannabe robber got so caught up in the urgent that he missed the important. <laughs> he, he got so caught up in the urgency of tying up the employees and getting out of there without getting caught that he missed the important part of actually taking the money, which is an important detail if your goal is to rob a bank. Now, this guy is not unique. He might be unique in some ways, um, but he's not unique in others. We, we've probably all in our own lives been at a place where we get so distracted by the urgent that we lose sight of the important. Have you ever had one of those days where you just get to the end of it and you look back and you go, man, I am exhausted. And like, I know I was busy all day, but I have no idea what I got accomplished. Like usually for me, those are the days when I, I look back and I realize that the urgency of things that just popped up, um, I spent more time focusing on those and kind of putting out fires than I did on the important things that I needed to get done. There are things in our life that are constantly clamoring for our attention. And I love how the dictionary defines the word clamoring. It defines it as a loud and confused noise. How many of us would say, man, that is my life. Like my life is just a big, loud and confused noise. There are parents in here of, of toddlers going, amen. Yeah, like that's all that I hear is just loud and confused noises all the time. There, but, but it's not just with, with kids. There are a multitude of things in our life that are clamoring for our attention. And, and, and it's not like they're all bad things. Some of them are very good things. Some of them are kids, it's family, it's work, it's serving. There are good things that are vying for our attention. Sometimes there are urgent things that pop up that we have to attend to in the moment. But, but sometimes we realize that, that the thing that gets our attention the most is not the most important thing. It's the thing that is making the most noise in the moment. And if we're not careful, then these are the things that are going to keep us from connecting with what is most important. And, and I'm encouraged this morning that even Jesus experienced this. 
Jesus experienced this in his life of, of balancing the urgent with the important, and I think that he shows us a model for how to make sure that we don't miss the important through the urgent. Jesus shows us how to manage all of these things in our life that are clamoring for our attention without losing sight of what is most important. And the model that Jesus shows us is that sometimes we need to disconnect in order to connect with what is most important. There are times in our life when we need to take a step back, we need to disconnect in order to be able to fully connect with what is most important. Sometimes we need to momentarily separate ourselves from the loud and confusing noises of our life, even the good things, to connect with what's most important. If you have a Bible, uh, I invite you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. If you have a Bible app on your smartphone, by all means, pull that out, open up your app, go to Mark 1.35. If you don't have either one of those things or thinking, I'm not going to do that, then we have the words up on the screen and you can follow along here in a moment. Like John said, we are wrapping up our series today called The Wilderness. And the way that we've been talking about these wilderness moments throughout this series is, is almost like they are a season to endure, to, to learn a lesson from them, because oftentimes we do learn some of life's most valuable lessons in the wilderness, things that we would not learn otherwise. So, so we, we endure it, we hopefully take a couple of lessons from it, and then we run out of there as quickly as we can. And the reason is because oftentimes wilderness moments, they stretch us in ways that make us really uncomfortable, and so we don't like to linger in those moments. We want to run from them as, as quickly as we can. But what we're going to see in our text today is not Jesus running out of the wilderness, but Jesus actually stepping into the wilderness intentionally. And I think what happens next in this account has a lot to teach us about our own uh, wilderness moments and the importance of disconnecting in order to connect to what is most important. Let's look at our text together. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 35. Mark writes, Very early in the morning... While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now let's just kind of pause right there. And guys, if you can leave the, the verse up there on the screen for me. I think that immediately, right off the bat, in this, in this first verse of this account, we, we learn some important things. The first thing that we need to know is that the word translated as solitary place in verse 35 is translated as wilderness four other times in Mark chapter 1. In verses 3, 4, 12, and 13, that word is actually translated as wilderness. And so when Mark tells the account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, he uses the same word that is now being translated as solitary place in verse 35. And so what we see from that is that not all wilderness moments are bad. Not all wilderness moments should be run from. In fact, we see Jesus running and going back into the wilderness, these moments can be incredibly healthy for us. And we're going to see how here in a little bit. Second, this verse shows us that Jesus made prayer a priority. Mark says that Jesus got up very early in the morning. And in case we don't understand what very early in the morning is, because some of us have different, you know, that's a, that's a very relative term. <laughs> he says, while it was still dark, this was very early in the morning, before the busyness of the day even had a chance to begin, Jesus went out to pray. And we see Jesus over and over prioritizing prayer, spending time with the Father. We see it was the very first thing on Jesus' heart when he woke up in the morning. Luke 5.16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place to pray. The Gospels record 33 times where Jesus 
prayed. Prayer was a priority to Jesus. And remember, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is God's own son. This is, this is Jesus, fully God, fully human, God in the flesh. And so if time with the Father was important for Jesus to start his day, then my goodness, how important is it for us to not neglect that time with our Heavenly Father? And you might be thinking, yeah, well, I mean, but this is Jesus. Like, his schedule was wide open. What is he doing? Sean, you don't know how busy my life is. And you're right. I don't know how busy your life is. I don't know everything that you have going on. I'm sure that you have quite a bit. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know what was happening in Jesus' life the night before. If you have your Bible open, just look up a few, a few verses to verse 32, and we see what was happening the night before verse 35. Mark says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. Okay, that evening, the night before, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. I want to be very clear here. It's not like Jesus wakes up in the morning after a long, restful eight hours of sleep and goes, man, what am I going to do with all of this extra time and energy that I have? <laughs> no. He's coming off of this long night of healing and exorcisms where the entire town gathered around to see him after the sun had already set. Listen, I love you all. And we just bought a home down in Bedford. We're excited about moving down there. Once we get settled in, our door is open. You are welcome to come down there anytime to visit. We'll cook out, whatever. But when it hits 9 p.m., <laughs> I start to shut down. Like, you don't have to go home, but you got to get out of mine, Right? But what we see here is Jesus, who has so much love and compassion for the broken and the hurting that he stays up all night to heal them. And then he gets up early in the morning while it was still dark, and he goes off to a solitary place to pray. Verse 36. Simon and his companions, because the, the, the full discipleship team had yet to be formed. This is still pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And that word look for him, um, it literally means to pursue with hostile intent. Like they're, they're frustrated. They're like, Jesus, where did you go? They're looking everywhere that they can to find Jesus. They went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Where did you go? What are you doing? And the disciples think that Jesus is making a huge mistake and missing this great opportunity to start making a name for himself early on in his ministry. And instead, he's wandering off into the wilderness to pray. Doesn't he know he needs to take advantage of this moment? And what they're doing is something that I find myself doing all the time. Maybe you do it as well. The disciples are allowing the urgent to distract from the important, the urgent, to distract from the important. They're letting the urgency of all of these people looking for Jesus, looking for healing, they are letting the urgency of the moment distract them from the importance of spending time with the Father. The urgency of doing to distract from the importance of being. Verse 38. Jesus replied, let us go elsewhere to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. 
And so he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. In the wilderness, Jesus was able to disconnect in order to connect with what is most important. And I think that his response in verse 38 and 39, it teaches us the value of disconnecting. I read this passage, and I got to be honest, I'm with the disciples. I'm thinking, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, like you've got to go back. You're still needed. There are still more people to heal. But even in that response, it shows that I let the urgent get in way of the important. And here's what I think that we can learn by seeing Jesus disconnect and then get up and not go back to where he was, but actually move forward. Just a few things real quickly. First of all, I think what we see is that disconnecting refocuses our priorities. When we take time to intentionally disconnect, it helps us refocus our priorities. Again, the disciples feel like Jesus needs to seize this moment if he wants to gain in his popularity. This is his chance to to get a large following, and instead Jesus withdraws to the wilderness to refocus on what is most important. And what is most important is spending time with his heavenly Father. To, To refocus on the message of God's love for the world. Listen, Jesus' primary mission was not to heal. Jesus' primary mission was not to be a miracle worker. Certainly he did that, But he only did that to prop up his primary mission. His primary mission was to seek and to save the lost, the hurting, and the broken in this world and to point us to God who loves us. And so time with the Father helped Jesus refocus on his number one priority. And the same is true for us. That when we disconnect from the loud and confusing noises all around us and we spend time with our loving Heavenly Father, it refocuses our priority and we find that we don't get constantly consumed by the urgency of everything around us. And not that there's not appropriate time for the urgence in our life. There is. But if we allow our life to be controlled by that, then we're going to miss out on the important because the urgent is always louder than the important. Second, Disconnecting realigns God to his proper place in our life. When we disconnect, it realigns God to his proper place in our life. Have you ever driven a car that was out of alignment? It always wants to pull in a direction that you don't want to go. And so while you may be holding the steering wheel like this, you'll find yourself drifting off to the right. And so you end up driving like this so that you don't end up in a ditch. And and everywhere that Jesus went, he was surrounded by physical, emotional, and spiritual needs that were wanting to pull him in a direction that Jesus didn't necessarily want to go. And so by withdrawing to the wilderness, Jesus was able to realign the Father to his proper place. Listen, I'm telling you, I think that what this is, what's happening right here is a continuation of one of the temptations that Jesus experienced in the wilderness. When Satan took him up and said, all of this can be yours if you just bow him out. The the, the temptation there was power. And the temptation here for Jesus is to to make a name for himself, for the power to not give the glory to God, but to have the power all for himself. And so Jesus withdrew to refocus and to realign God to his proper place. That was actually the point of the Sabbath that God initiated in the Ten Commandments. And he knew that if we didn't pause to rest, then we'd end up somehow thinking that the weight of the world is on our shoulders and that if we don't do it, then it's not going to get done. And he knew that if we continue to live in that for too long, then we were going to kill ourselves. And so the Sabbath was God inviting his people to rest, not because all the work was done, because the work is never done, right? And so the Sabbath is inviting us to rest, not because the work is done, 
but because rest reminds us that He is God and we are not. That He is all-powerful and we are not. Rest reminds us that God is in control and we are not. And so disconnecting realigns God to His proper place in our lives. Third, disconnecting reminds us of the source of our value, and we cannot miss this. Jesus knew that his value to God and to others was not in doing the miraculous or having a large following. His value was in the Father alone. And the same is true for us. Our value is not in what we produce. And there are some of you who You might be here this morning. God may have led you here this morning just to hear that message. And so I want to say it again. Your value is not in what you do. That's not where it is. Your value is in a father who loves you and who delights in you as his child. Some of us who have workaholic tendencies, we begin to feel like our identity and our value is wrapped up in what we produce, whether it be what we produce for God or with our own hands, what we produce for our families or our company or our community. It doesn't matter. We find value in what we do. We find value in our own sense of value in what we produce. But I'm telling you, if that is your source of worth, then it is a rabbit you will always be chasing because it cannot be caught. And you'll always be looking for more. And you'll always wind up feeling like there's no way you deserve to be loved. You'll always feel like you come up short. That's not the life that God has for you. The gospel says that our value is in Jesus. And because of that, there is nothing you can do that will ever make God love you more or less than what he loves you right now. Let me repeat that. There is nothing you can do that will make God love you more or less than he loves you right now. And if you feel something inside of you pushing against that, then I want to challenge you and say that's your religion showing. Because what religion says is if I do enough good things or if I avoid enough bad things, then God's going to love me. God's going to approve of me. Religion puts me at the center. But the gospel puts Jesus at the center. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to die as the punishment that our sin deserved and that through his resurrection, he has ushered in the way to to adopt us into God's family to where now we are called sons and daughters of the king. And it is not by anything that we have done. God has already shown you the fullness of his love in Christ and that means that you are valuable to him before you even took your first breath. And disconnecting reminds us of that. Finally, disconnecting reprioritizes our mission. See, the goal of disconnecting is not to stay in the wilderness. It's not to stay on vacation. It's not to stay separated from everybody. That's not the goal. The goal is to approach life differently. And Jesus spent time in prayer and, and, he, and it renewed his sense of passion and energy for the mission that God had called him to. Again, in verse 39, it says, so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus gets up and he goes about his work with a renewed sense of passion and purpose. 
And our mission as believers is to love people so well that they see God's love for them through us. It's the most effective way to show God's love so that they can experience it for themselves. But that's hard to do if we can barely keep our own heads above water because we are so absorbed and consumed by the urgent. When when we focus on the urgent in our life, it has a way of making us turn inward. And if we're only focused on ourselves, then it's hard to see the needs of those around us. And so disconnecting, resting, it reprioritizes our mission and gives us space to love others well and to point them to Jesus. So as we close today, the question for us is, what do you need to disconnect from in order to connect to what's most important? What do you need to disconnect from in order to connect with what's most important? Maybe it's a device like a phone or a tablet or TV that there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things. They aren't bad by any means, but they're not really urgent or all that important, and yet they steal a lot of time that we could be devoting to the important. Maybe for you, you need to disconnect from your pillow in the morning in order to spend some time with the Lord before you start your day. So maybe you're here and you're like, yeah, that's probably me. My challenge to you is not to think that you have to go from zero to 60 in one day, like where you wake up in the morning tomorrow and you're like, I'm going to spend an hour with with God and I'm going to read all through the Bible by next week. And like, you don't have to do that. If you're, if you're at zero right now, don't, don't try to eat the whole elephant. Just take one little bite. Go five minutes. And if you're already doing five minutes, then my challenge to you is to maybe go 15. If you're already doing 15, think about 30. If you're doing 30, an hour. Listen, if you are, if you are in the rhythm of this right now in your life, and you're sitting here going, amen, to everything that I've said, you know the value of disconnecting in order to connect because you're in this rhythm and routine in your life. Maybe your next step is to bring someone along with you, to teach them the value of prioritizing time with the Lord that you've learned. Disciple them and what it means to disconnect in order to connect with God. And so my challenge to you is to find one person that you can begin sharing what you've learned about this. There's those of us in the room that would love to learn from your wisdom in this. One of my uh, dear friends, Nathan Davenport, I actually get to see him in a couple of weeks. He's a recruiter for Pioneer Bible Translators. And I met Nathan my freshman year of college. I, I, have, I was literally still wet from the baptism. Like I was, I was still pretty new in my, in my faith. And I didn't really know anything about like a relationship with God. I, I knew that God loved me, that Jesus died for me. But this relationship with God was still a little fuzzy to him. I know I was supposed to read my Bible and pray. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. And I remember, I don't know if Nathan just saw me and he realized, yeah, this kid has no clue or what it was. Uh, but he came into my dorm room one day and he said, hey, you want to go on a prayer walk? And like that, that phrase just seemed like an oxymoron to me. How can you pray and walk at the same time? Like, because your head is down and your eyes are closed. And like, that would be really hard to do. And he's like, no, you can open your eyes while you pray. This was, this is a new concept to me. What? And so he took me to a park and he just, he let me watch him love Jesus. And he taught me how to pray. And I am forever grateful for Nathan teaching me how to love the Lord. 
Some of you have that opportunity in somebody's life. What do you need to disconnect from? Maybe you need to disconnect from an emotion. Maybe you have a fear of silence. It's talking to John Muffler. We, we, uh, we got to collaborate this week on the sermon. It was so much fun. If you know John Muffler, like there's ADD and then there's John Muffler. Um, <laughs> and he was honest. And I, he's, he's like, it freaks me out when there's silence. And so for him, he's like, this is what I've got to overcome. And maybe for you, it's a guilt from a sin that you feel like, oh, there's no way that God could love me because I'm just stuck in this or what I've done. Maybe it's this feeling that, that you have to produce. And so to just disconnect, that feels counterproductive to you. And you're just, all you can think about is what's on your to-do list, what's on your calendar, what's on your schedule. Maybe you need to disconnect from that emotional barrier that's keeping you from the Lord. Maybe for you, you need to disconnect from a toxic relationship. A toxic relationship that is stealing your purity. A toxic relationship that is, is speaking things into you that, that the Lord is not speaking. And that toxic relationship is keeping you from the relationship that is most important with Jesus. Whatever it is. And my guess this morning is that we all probably know what that thing is. Like we don't have to go back and do a whole lot of soul searching. We probably know. Whatever that thing is, let me encourage you to pray this simple prayer this week. It's just two lines. Maybe you want to write it down. Maybe you want to jot a little note in your device. The two lines are this. God, you are what is most important in my life. God, you are what is most important in my life. Help me to disconnect from... And then you fill in the blank because you know what it is. Help me disconnect from this so that I may connect more deeply with you. Would you spend a few moments right now just praying that prayer? So let me close with this. Uh, some of the most influential people in my life are not the ones with uh, the fullest bank accounts or the fullest schedules. They are the ones with the fullest hearts. Hearts of love and peace and compassion for others. And when I look at their life, I see that all of them have this in common. They know the importance of disconnecting from the urgent in order to connect with what is most important. Many of them start their day each day with God and Bible study and with prayer. Uh, they're in the, the regular habit of retreat and resting with the Lord. And it's not like they have more time than the rest of us, right? Like it's not like they open up their calendar and they go, oh, look, I have 30 hours today. <laughs> no, they have the same number of hours. In fact, some of them are also some of the most busiest people that I know. It's, it's that they know the value of disconnecting from the noise in order to hear the still, small voice of God. So as we close this morning, imagine what your life would look like if you stepped into this rhythm. Imagine what your life would look like if your day, and, and what it would feel like even if your day started just with that pause before the Lord, where you say, God, you are what is most important for me today. Help me to disconnect from this so that I may connect more deeply with you.
In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And some of us right now, we are wearied and we are burdened. You are overwhelmed and you are freaking out. You feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. You feel like you are being stretched in both directions and you cannot be stretched any more. You are tired, you are overwhelmed, and you are wondering what to do. And I want to tell you what to do this morning. You need to disconnect in order to connect with what is most important. And having that desire doesn't mean that time in your schedule is just miraculously going to open up. It might mean that you have to rearrange some things. It might mean that you have to say no to some things. But whatever it is, do it. Find rest in the Lord. Rest in His promises. Rest in His provisions. Rest in His grace and in His faithfulness. Today, Jesus invites you to find rest in Him, to disconnect from the urgent things in your life, clamoring for your attention so that you may connect with what is most important, your Heavenly Father who loves you. Let's pray. God, you are what is most important in our lives. Help us to disconnect from those things that distract us so that we may connect more deeply with you than we ever have before. And Lord, I, I know I need to do a better job of practicing what I'm preaching this weekend. You know it, I know it. <laughs> For accountability and openness, I want my brothers and sisters in here this morning to know it too. I want to grow in this, Lord, and as I hope that we all do. At the same time, God, may we never reach a place in our life where we stop desiring more of you. May there always be a holy discontent within us for more of you and more of your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that if we seek you, you will be found, and that through Jesus, we can have a relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that we have been called your sons and your daughters through your son, Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.